This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. All right. So how's it going? It's going good. I'm like recovered. Good. Happy to be alive again. (laughs) That's wonderful. So you know, this weekend I went to our friend Shelby's bachelorette party. It Um, looked like so much fun. It was a blast. Um, So I'm a bridesmaid in her wedding as well. So we went and got dresses and then we went and drank all the things in Dripping Springs, Texas. Just everything. There's no alcohol there anymore. We drank it all. Well, rest in peace, Dripping Springs, Texas. (laughs) We had a blast. I'm so excited. Like I got to meet some people that listen to the show, which was really cool. Oh, wow. So Alyssa... And of course, Shelby. And then we maybe got her friend Jesse to start listening to. Did you so, sign autographs? No, because nobody wants my autograph. It's not worth anything. Uh, I will sign anything you have unless it's a check out of my checking account because there ain't nothing in there. <laughs> but we had so much fun. I can't wait for the wedding because you're going to be there too. It's going to be a. It's going to be awesome. I just can't wait. It's I know. Be so fun. Oh, that, like that was a precursor, and now I'm like, okay. I like everybody that I've met. Like, everything's cool, you know? (laughs) Because we expect Shelby to have shitty friends, right? Like, that's why we're attracted to her. No, of course not. (laughs) Just joking. I'm really nervous meeting people I don't know. And so I'm really shy until I hit a switch and then I'm not anymore. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was nervous because they've all known each other forever. And, you know, I'm just friends with Shelby for, I don't know. A year and a half. And so... Yeah, so they all have these, like, long-lasting relationships, and I'm, like, I'm the new kid, so <laughs> I wanted everyone to like me. I get that. I'm sure that you charmed them all. You know how charming I am. I there, Those are words that I have used about you before, yes. Aw. And if you think the whining crime gals saying daddy a lot is annoying, just wait. Oh, no. <laughs> Speaking of the wine it's and crime It's a completely gals, different context, but it's still there. <laughs> they just announced that they're going to be in Dallas? Dallas, Houston, and Austin. Oh, man. I've got to hit one of those. I'm going to Austin, I think. I, I may say- try to hit Houston, too, but it's on a Wednesday, and that's hard to yeah. get away in the middle of the week. Austin's on a Friday. That's easier for me. Oh, well. Maybe I'll do the Austin. Maybe we could go together. Let's do that. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. check my budget. Check your budget. Okay. Right. So while you were out partying, having the time of your life, I yeah. was at an educator's workshop and I really did have you a blast. Like you were I had a blast so too, much so fun. So let's calm down but for a second. <laughs> I was out with my boss, so there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of like drinking shenanigans after the workshop. But you're friends with your boss in real so, life. We have three principals at my school, a principal mm-hmm. and two APs. And so we went with the third AP, who I'm not super close with. He's like the super professional-faced one. Oh, no. And we were roommates, and, like, it was just – he was great. We had the best time. But Good. it was I'm not, so like, a relationship where I felt comfortable going out and getting shwasted. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So now I'm back. I take my next um, professional – test thing for my um my work on june 5th so i'm about to hit the books and then after that i'll be golden for the summer beautiful i still have to work but you know 
Right. That's neither here nor there. Right. Today <laughs> is my first day of summer. And I'm so jealous. My son doesn't get out of school till the 7th. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Now we did go back August 2nd. So yeah, he didn't go back to like the 23rd or the 26th, something like that. It was right before they go back right before Labor Day. And then the next week they have a holiday. Yeah. So Texas has a, a, a rule or a law or something they enforce. Cause this, whenever I worked there, it was a thing that you can't go back to school more than a week before Labor Day. And it has to do with the cooling cost of the school. <laughs> I am going to decline to comment on what I think about that. Stupid global warming. I know. That's not what they're going to tell you is the reason, but that's really what the reason is. Uh, it's the worst. Okay. Yeah. So speaking of school. Uh, oh, hey, this is Lifetime Sentence. I'm Erin. And I'm Paul. And Yay. now let's talk about school and things that suck. Yeah. Well, for I'm just going to go into this and I'm going to, we'll get into it when I we get into your side. But I just want to ask, because, you know, you're a school teacher. Yes. Where in middle school, like what grade is it that they teach you about your Miranda rights and how to sign them away without your parents present? Uh, let me think. Okay. So unit one in ELA in the seventh grade is written in bone. And then unit two is the giver. And then unit three is the memoir. Oh, and then, so it's after unit three before unit four, there's just a sliver of sign away your rights. It's in the seventh grade. She probably was absent. Oh. It's so bad. Now, they don't touch on it in the movie, but I've watched, I followed this case incredibly closely while it was happening. These girls were close to my, or are close to my son's age. So there was a lot of discussion about how, like, internet memes are cool, but they're not real. (laughs) Um, Going on around that time for me and my kid. And so I remember watching, like, some of the police interviews. And Like, my son can't drive a car. He can't vote. He can't join the military. He can't sign a check. He can't even legally work. Why is he allowed to sign away his rights? You know. I don't like that at all. Because their parents were not present. I don't like it. In some cases, kids are just kids. In other cases, the law hates everybody. And... You just don't know which one you're at. Life is like a box of chocolate, except all the flavors suck. All coconut. (laughs) Anyways, this week, in case you haven't figured out, we watched, or I watched Terror in the Woods, which is Lifetime's uh, version of the Slenderman case. We're back in Wisconsin, and I take issue with the fact that this movie was not set in Wisconsin. It was set in Georgia. Oh, hell no. Don't you ruin Georgia like that. We established- Georgia is busy ruining itself. Like, we don't need to. Right. They've got their own issues. We established back in episode one how shitty Wisconsin is. Don't you try to change that lifetime. I just can't. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, I'm going to, I, I'm changed a couple of things this week because the three, quote unquote, stars of this movie are all children. Okay. Young children. So we don't have a Pornhub or TV this week because that would be against the law. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, they really haven't been in a lot else. So I did add two of their parents because they've been in some other stuff. Um, So we have Sophie Grace and she plays Caitlin. Okay. Very cute. Um, Ella West Jerrier. She plays Rachel. 
and Skylar Morgan Jones, who plays Emily. And um, so on the case side, so Caitlin is Morgan. Rachel would be Anissa Wire, and Skylar would be Peyton. Okay. Um, the victim. Skylar actually has been in a couple of things. She was in The Vampire Diaries, and she was in the remake of Dynasty. Okay. Um, but then we have the Caitlin's mom, who's played by Angela Kinsey from The Office. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which she's usually a comedic actress, and so I've never really seen her in a drama, and I was really, I was pleased. She did really good. She's so funny. Yeah. In real yeah. life, she's hysterical. Her Twitter, so. like, I, she's one of the it's few celebrities fine. I follow. so funny. And she's been on a couple of podcasts. She's hilarious, like, so funny. But it was nice to see her in a more serious role. And then we have uh, Johans Miles, who plays Rachel's dad. Uh, they just call him D. Um, and he is was in a movie called Containment. He was in Into the Badlands. And he's the new star of My Sexual Fantasy. Oh, wait. What's his name? <laughs> Johans? Y-O-A. Oh, oh, oh. Hold on. Okay, rude. Right? Okay. <laughs> So I got in such a hurry to look up this hot guy that I closed the conversation. <laughs> His name is Johans Miles. All right, let's see that. Oh, hello. He's a snack. Mm-hmm. I'm getting it like a like a John Legend vibe. Yes, that's what I got too. He's very John Legendy. Yeah. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I support this decision. Mm-hmm. Also, he's a person of color, so yay, lifetime. Right? <laughs> We've been through 20 weeks with you, and we finally got one. Well, we had one. I mean, the Grim Sleeper, but that one didn't go so well. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, Angela, she has a different name in the movie, but I'm just going to call her Angela because that's Because you she have is. to. She's at a support group talking about how she thought her daughter's imagination, um, imaginary world was completely harmless. This is all cut together with violent images of someone being stabbed and girls chasing each other through the woods. Is this our edit of the week already? Basically, yes, because there's not like a really good like switcheroo here. They actually did quite a good job with this movie. I was pretty impressed. Um, So, yeah, there are police, little girls screaming for help. It's all like it's just a mess. And it's also cut together with images of suzerain. Who is Slenderman? Okay. Um, that was going to be my edit of the week because, like, why? <laughs> Do, like, does why? this person look any different than Slenderman? Um, a little bit. We'll okay. get to the description. Um, but it's basically the same. And they also, like, remake a bunch of creepypasta, like, videos. And I'm like, you could have just saved so much time. Right. Because I guarantee you those, like, small-time YouTubers would have let you buy their video for, like, 50 bucks if you're going to put it on a movie. Oh, right. Yeah. So, whatever. Um, So, now the movie really starts. And it's Rachel. She's sitting in a dark closet watching a suzerain video. Um, Her dad opens the door and scares the ever-loving shit out of her. I don't know why she's sitting in her closet in the dark watching these movies. It seems like a bad idea, but... Oh, I used to do that shit all the time. I was a creepypasta kind of kid. Um... At Caitlin's house, Angela is rushing through making breakfast. Um, 
she's really let her anal side from the office go. And, and I think she should have reined that in a little. <laughs> Girl is disorganized, but I also get it. So, um, Caitlin still has an imaginary friend. How old is Caitlin? Nine? Eleven. Oh, that's a little old for imaginary friends. Yeah, well, we'll get to why. But, um, yeah, and I have to commend Lifetime because usually they add a few years to these girls' ages and they cast older. Right. Um, and they really drive home the fact that these are little girls, mm. which is simultaneously super sad, but how it really was. Right. They're children. It's just awful. Children in movies, just in general, creep me out. So, just children in general. (laughs) (laughs) Even my own. Okay, so at my old place, my son would sleep behind the couch, right? So now the new room is there, like right behind the TV. So the other night, he was here and he had gone to bed, and I'm watching TV. And here comes this tall person, like, walking out of his room. And I was like, the fuck? Like, it scared the crap out of me. It was just him. He couldn't sleep. And I was like, God, why do you do that? Why? (laughs) Because I'm used to being right and scared the shit out of me. (laughs) That's hilarious. Anyway. I would fuck with you so hard. I would just, like, crawl out from my room and peep eyes above the TV. He's going to start, I guarantee because I, I reacted a little too authentically when that happened, and I think you really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> um, so Rachel's watching more Suzerain videos. Um, she's very nervous about starting middle school. They're in the sixth grade. And her dad tells her to just stand up to any bully that, you know, is mean to her. He says to put a balloon of confidence in her belt. What does and that mean? He's in the military. Maybe it's a military thing. I don't know. If you but, are a listener and you're in the military, tell me if you tell your troops to put balloons of confidence anywhere in their gear. <laughs> but he's like so nice and sweet. And I hate this story so much. Um, She gets bullied on the bus by some asshole boy, but it's going to come back to bite him in the ass. So I'm okay with it. Um, and I wrote here, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to go back to middle school, not even as a teacher. Listen, some of us are paying off our sins. I'm not quite sure what I did to deserve this, but. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so Rachel and Caitlin meet on the bus and they become like fast friends. Um, they're both a little weird, but in the beginning, they're just weird in that sixth grade, like way that you are you know like oversized teeth big glasses and watch anime weird that you, yeah that you grow out of like she's wearing fingerless gloves and she's like look i wear these gloves all the time that makes me weird and i'm like well no honey but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you just that's just an awkward stage that you eventually grow out of um so they're in a sixth grade creative writing class and i wasn't able to take a creative writing class until my senior year so i'm already mad I'm trying to figure out how I can work that into my school schedule now. Yeah. I want to Wouldn't teach be so creative cool? writing. That would be so awesome. Um, after school, Rachel's mom picks her up. Um, she seems a little different. Like maybe she's the wild child mom. Um, she's, she's the fun mom. 
Yeah, she's smoking a cigarette. She calls herself a kick-ass mom and then takes her shopping. She doesn't have it all together, but she seems like she's trying. And and so I'm going to give her that. Like, that's Is a she lot played more than by so Amy Poehler? No. Damn. I wish she was. Not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> um, Caitlin's at home playing with her imaginary friend. And Angela comes out to say someone's called for her. But... When she comes out, she's all blurry and her voice comes out in that way that it's like far away. Like it's usually reserved for when people are like drunk or super out of it. Yeah. In movies. And so this is our first indication that something's not quite right with Caitlin. Um Well, besides the imaginary friend. But right. Um, it's Emily on the phone. So while they're talking on the phone, Angela goes through some of her daughter's stuff. Uh oh. And find something that concerns her. But she's also making dinner, so we don't deal with it right now. Um, oh, and her husband also comes over and is like, um, I'm having fuzzies from my happy pills. And I'm like, oh, this is the worst. Delete that whole sentence. Um, But he really is ill. Like, it's so bad. Um, I just don't like that wording. No, I don't either. But I think they'd say it because they have small children. Gotcha. So what do you, I mean, I mean, I guess you could just call it what it is. I don't know. I don't really know what the going medication for schizophrenia is right now. But um, Caitlin goes upstairs to talk because her parents just don't understand how they should only speak when spoken to and definitely not when she's on the phone with other people. <laughs> 100% cosine. I'm with you on this. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Dad tells Angela that Caitlin made a new friend that day, um, Rachel. And Angela said, oh, that's so nice. Like, we should maybe have her over for a sleepover sometime. And I'm like, mm-mm, don't do that. Like, oh, yeah, delete that also. <laughs> and then um, she shows the dad the writing that she found in Caitlin's backpack and says that she shouldn't know those words. Oh. And that they're gross. And her, the dad just laughs and is like, She's 11, like, she's, like, learning those words, and so she's going to, you know, use them. Did she ride the bus to school? Did you say that earlier? Yeah. Yeah, well, then she already learned all those words, Mama. Mm-hmm. You missed, like, you missed yeah. the opportunity to fix that. But it's just the way that dad is, like, she's 11. And again, I'm like, oh, my God, these kids are 11 years old. It just blows my mind. Yeah. Um. Angela asks how they got so old and says maybe it's getting close to time to have, quote, the talk with um, Caitlin. And that's what the words were. They get into it again later. I figured. Um, Dad says, well, that I mean, that's going to fall on you because, you know, you're the mom here. But we can start talking about it and we'll just feel out what to say to her and when to say it. And she's like, can you be the mom? And he was like, no, I'm so glad I'm not the mom. Yeah, because, you know, it only takes a woman to get pregnant. Well, but they have a boy, so his turn is coming. (laughs) Or they can co-parent. I had to have the I had to have the talk with my boy child. It was not easy. That's because you're a wonderful parent. We do it a lot. Very uncomfortable. It doesn't get less uncomfortable with time. Like, just so you know. Um, well, um, if it makes you feel any better, I've had to have that talk with my students because their parents won't. My parents never had to talk with me, so I'm trying to do better. Yes. Um. He. So, Dad thanks her again for making dinner because he just couldn't get it together that night, and I'm just like so sad. Like, it just sucks. This whole thing sucks. 
Rachel is supposed to be getting ready for bed, and she's on a website called. Are you ready? I cannot wait. Are you really ready? Let me let me take a stab at it. Okay. Scary stories to wet your bed dot com. <laughs> Creepy storypedia, and I was like, how many brain cells were flexing? <laughs> <on one?"> like, <laughs> All three writers at Lifetime used their last remaining brain cells to oh, put that together. My God, what do we call it? <laughs> what do we call it? Uh, hey, let's like try scary stories encyclopedia. No. Can we woodshop that? What's another word for scary? Um, Weird? Horrible? Horrific? Where's the thesaurus? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to thesauruspedia.com. Pedia! Okay. (laughs) So bad. Um... Creepy Storypedia. And they say it more than once. So. <laughs> they, they're so proud of it. Yeah. So she stays up all night under her covers watching these videos. Um, She suf- sufficiently freaks out. And like the line between fantasy and reality are starting to blur for her. But also probably because she needs some sleep. Yeah. Um, The next morning she's sleeping on the bus and Caitlin wakes her up and introduces her to Emily. Who's wearing fairy wings and a flower crown. So that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the one with the fingerless gloves. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Oh, man, you're going to stab me later. That's so sad. I mean, listen, Um, et tu, Brute. She tells Rachel that they're real fairy wings. And she has five different kinds because her mom bought them for her. And I'm just. Oh, Oh, they really drive the 11-year-old point home. They did. Emily, by the way, is super obsessed with fairies. Rachel and I get a five-minute lesson on all the different kinds of fairies there are. I'm going to oh, spare all so of you. Many. Do you want me to tell you? No. I don't <laughs> want to hear it again. I already know. <laughs> God. Um, Rachel tells Caitlin later that she thinks Emily is a little bit babyish, but Caitlin says that's her best friend. But yeah, she can be a little nuts on the fairies, you know, whatever. Um, Caitlin's looking out the window and everything kind of distorts a little again. Um, Rachel asks her what's wrong and she deflects and asks why she's so tired. So she says she was up all night on creepy storypedia. Oh, good. Just send it home. www. (laughs) (laughs) Watching videos about suzerain and then describes suzerain quote. He's really big and tall. He has a big crown, big eyes, big teeth to eat you up, big claws, big ears. He hears everything. He's all poise and perfection until he gets angry and then he kills you. That's how I describe every man I've ever had a crush on. He sounds delightful. (laughs) To all the boys I've loved before. Call us for brunch, Suzerain. Do this. God. So they go and watch the videos together. And I'm going to start yelling. So sorry. Um, The person on the video literally says, this is a meme that was created on the internet, which means it's not real. Louder for the people in the back. It's not real. Oh my God. I just can't. 
Um, they stay up super late watching videos, scaring themselves and scaring poor Rachel's dad, who was very busy trying to go on a date with me, I'm sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin seems to really believe this whole thing. And I think she's, cause she, you know, you can, you can kind of see that she hears voices and, you know, things happen to her. And so she thinks that this is the thing that's happening to her. Right. Um, so the girls all go to a water park together. Emily chickens out on the water slide. She's feeling left out from Rachel and Caitlin. So she jumps into the lazy river to swim with them. And she almost drowned because she can't swim very well. Oh, no. Um, Rachel's dad saves her and, um, like, takes her to get all cleaned up. Um, and then we cut again to Rachel, Caitlin, and Caitlin's little brother, like, playing in the backyard. And Angela's watching them, like play ring around the rosy. It's very cute and also kind of creepy. Okay. Um, Angela finds the notebook again and decides to talk to Caitlin about it. So Caitlin's mad that she went through her stuff, which duh. Um, and Angela says, she says, I know most of these words, but I even had to look some up like the JJ. Oh man. And I was like, what? You couldn't figure that out from context? Really? Do you remember when that was the word that everyone used thanks to Cosmo 2009? No, it was thanks to Shonda Rhimes. Get your Grey's Anatomy history straight. I 100% think the way I discovered it was on the cover of a Cosmo in the checkout line of Walmart. It was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy in 2006. You know I don't watch that. Well, it's Shonda's world. We all live in it, so get it together. Shonda calls for brunch or donate at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> we will cover one of your shows if you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin zones out though, like while they're talking and she can hear voices. She thinks one of the voices is suzerain. So she asks to go to Rachel's house. Oh, her mom says yes and leaves the room. So after her mom leaves the room, I guess her imaginary friend tells her to go look at the suzerain, like out the window. Yeesh. And she's like, no, I don't want to because I'm scared of him. But she does. She goes and looks out the window. Um, um, meanwhile, Angela is downstairs talking to her husband. She says she's afraid that one of their kids may have what he has. And they don't ever say it out loud, but the guy, the father in the, Real case, he's schizophrenic. Right. Um, so that's what I'm going to assume that they're hinting at there. Um, he says that the kids are still young. They're not there yet. And that they're too young to have this already, which is mostly true. Right. But and there are a few cases like yes. this one. Yeah. Rachel's mom brings her home. So, oh, so Caitlin goes downstairs and like goes out to the park. They all live in the same apartment complex. So um, Rachel's mom brings her home late and um, she and the stepdad argue. He asks to please just call if they're going to be late. He says structure is really important for Rachel. Um, Jackie, the mom gets really upset and she, they yell at each other because you know, he wants to be with her. She doesn't want to be with him. She wants to do her own thing. And so she leaves. Um, at the park. So Rachel comes in, sees Caitlin at the park and is like, I'm going to the park. Bye. Like, <laughs> um, Caitlin asks Rachel if she ever sees things that aren't there. 
And Rachel says she thinks so. She really thinks Suzerain is real and is watching her. And Caitlin says that she's seen him for real, but that's not the only thing that she sees. She says she can see her imaginary friend Sophie and sometimes baby dragons. And she can sometimes hear things that she can't see, like voices. And I'm just like, this is not something that two 11 to 12-year-old girls should be trying to figure out on their own. No, let's not Scooby-Doo this. Um, Rachel thinks this is a really cool thing that happens to her, to Caitlin. I'm like, mm, oh, no. Hard pass. And she asks what... Caitlin's parents think. And this is where I get upset because I don't know how it really shook out. But Caitlin says she told her parents, but they didn't believe her. Mm. However, given the history with the father, maybe like a good idea to swing by the therapist's office just for a quick checkup before we dismiss it as not real. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going out for dinner. But before that, we just got a quick pit stop. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, She cries because she thinks something's wrong with her brain. Oh, poor thing. And Rachel says, no, there's nothing wrong with her. Suzerain is real. And if they prove he's real, he'll think they're cool. Anyone listening, the last thing anyone needs to think about you is that you're cool. Also, Slenderman slash Suzerain is not real. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Rachel says that if they don't prove he's real, one night he'll come and kill them and their entire family. Yikes. Super chill. Um, When Caitlin is walking home later in the dark, she gets really freaked out, starts talking to herself. She hides under the slide on the playground and then runs home. Her mom tries to talk to her, but she blows her mom off and she goes to bed uh, later, but she hears voices. So she tells Sophie, who's her imaginary friend, that they need to get protection. Okay. So she goes downstairs and gets a meat cleaver to sleep with. No. Which is all fine and not at all concerning. No, that's like when you said protection and I'm thinking 11 year old, I'm like, they're going to make a shield out of cardboard or... No. Um, At school, Emily and Caitlin are making sculptures, and Caitlin makes a suzerain sculpture because it's totally real and not fake. And I'm like, ugh, I can't. Um, And Emily kind of laughs at her and says she's just trying to be creepy, you know? Right. At at lunch, Rachel's showing people pictures she drew of suzerain, and she says, he's kind of a friend of mine. We go way back. We're BFFs. So, of course, people make fun of her and call her weird because children are horrible. Um, Okay, to be fair, I would probably laugh and make fun of her at 11 years old. I know, but that's because children are horrible people. All of them. I like to believe that I wasn't, but I did even write in my notes that every child is a monster at 11. Every child is a monster. Um, So, Caitlin comes up to sit down and some kid pushes her lunch tray out of her hand. And it's the same kid that threw paper at her on the bus at the beginning. And Rachel has had enough of this shit. That's when she pulls out her balloon of confidence and flies away. No, but she does punch him in the face and says that she'll send Suzerain after him if he ever bothers her again. Good start. Really poor finish. Shaky landing. <laughs> <laughs> you might have stick landing. You might have wanted to try that balloon thing. <laughs> <laughs> so 
they go to the table. They're talking about Suzerain. And Emily tells him to stop acting like he's real. And Rachel's like, well, you don't have to hang out with us. So Emily's like, fine. And she leaves. Um, Rachel calls Emily a baby again. But poor Caitlin is having like an actual crisis. And she, because they're not, she feels like they're not safe anywhere they go. This is just really her mental illness, just kicking it into high gear. It's really sad. Caitlin brought the meat cleaver to school with her. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, Mm-mm, no, no, that didn't happen. Thankfully, a teacher sees it and they call Angela. So the teacher is talking to Angela because they're concerned about um, Caitlin's well-being they're concerned about the things that they're seeing happen in school, but they phrase it wrong and they piss her off instead. They went to the Miss Barnes School of Education. Yikes. Um, I have a book I could recommend them about the six um, steps to effective communication. So Excellent. So Angela breaks down in tears and says her husband has a medical condition and that she is just really spreading herself too thin, trying to take care of everything. She feels like she can't get out of any of it. She's just really stressed out. Um, Caitlin, however, is sitting outside listening to them talk. She cries and has like a weird, like hallucination thing. Um, But she got suspended for a week. Okay. So she stays home for a week. It's Christmas time. She's home with her dad because he doesn't work. And um, she starts to ask him questions about what his pills do and, like, what happens if he doesn't take them. But he does not answer them. Which, I mean, I kind of get, but I don't know. The girl is clearly in crisis, and I know, like, her parents had no idea. But, right. Um, she says she doesn't want to go back to school. She's happier at home with her dad. Um so they go out to eat and then they go home and Emily calls to tell her that her mom said that Suzerain isn't real. And if they are really friends with her, they'll stop talking about it all the time because it scares her. My mom said. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I was trying to resist. Did you see the fight on my face? <laughs> I had to wait for it. Caitlin says okay and then invites her to her birthday roller skating sleepover party. How, that is so 11 years old. It is. Angela and her dad are talking and he says that Caitlin seems fine and she's a great kid, but maybe it would be a good idea for her to talk to the school therapist sometimes. And they hug and have a moment. Caitlin, however, is upstairs talking to Suzerain. That's the other school therapist. You okay. see, there's Miss Clintwood, That's who's at home with from. you. And then Susan is the take-home school counselor. Everyone has two. And how did he blow up into such a wild meme? And I'm okay. really concerned. We all have the same one. So, Rachel's at home watching videos about how to become a member of Suzerain's royal family. Which of all the royal families I want to be a part of, that's, that's like not in your well top ten. below last. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rachel and Caitlin are talking. They decide they don't want to. Real quick, mm-hmm. would you rather be in the royal family of Suzerain or 
the royal family that sprouts from Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. <gasps> <laughs> oh no! It's like selfish choice. <laughs> Your face is so red. Oh, <laughs> uh, the new Meghan Markle movie comes on tonight, but I'm not watching it because she sucks. Okay. Um, I'm just not going to answer that question. I'm move on. Um, so Rachel and Caitlin are walking to school the next day and they decide that they don't want to die. Right. Which I don't either. So I get it. Like, um, In the uh, Bonnie and Clyde musical, there's a song that goes, Dying ain't so bad. Not they're, if we both go together. Well, they're 11, so they don't want to die. Um, and so they figure what they'll do is prove Suzerain is real, join his army as his princesses, and then they'll shut the bullies up for good. At least they have a plan. I, it goes real bad. Um <laughs> So they say in order to join the royal family, <laughs> um, they have to do something serious and important, like a blood sacrifice. Oh, that's, I mean, how do you think Meghan Markle got into that family? <laughs> I cannot answer that question. Um. So it's very necessary for them to do this. They decide to kill a dog or a cat or something. But then they see... So then Caitlin sees Suzerain on the way to school. And they decide they have to kill someone who does not believe in him. Um, so I mean, if that's the way you're going to go about it, let me give you a list of people. None of which are your 11-year-old classmate. Yeah, um, so Caitlin zones out, and then she zones back in and says, I think we might have to kill Emily. Mm -mm. No, you don't. So they hold hands and hug. Cut to Rachel in the choir at a concert singing the creepiest song ever, while they voice over about why Suzerain chose them to do this, and they talk about how Rachel used to be able to talk to her stepdad, but then he got really sad. Because her mom doesn't love him anymore. And so she just has to figure all this out by herself. Caitlin says she feels like her mom loves work more than her family. And she's always too busy to listen to her when she has problems. Um, they make a list of things they need to complete the ritual. Um, they write goodbye letters to their parents. <clears throat> and so now it's the day of the show. Emily is dressed in all pink. Rachel and Caitlin are wearing all black. Okay, so sixth grade is where you kind of start to grow up a little, right? Yes. So you start to differentiate yourself from your friends that you have been friends with your whole life. And you kind of meet your, like, middle high school tribe, right? Right. So in any normal circumstance, they would have just not been friends with Emily and been friends with each other. Right. But instead, they do this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's one of the other options. It's it's usually overlooked because it takes so much planning, and middle schoolers don't mm -hmm. like to plan. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, I mean, it's 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 an option. 
So Rachel and Caitlin are discussing the murder and how they don't want Emily to be hurt. And this just goes to show how much middle schoolers know about death. Right. Um, They don't want her to be hurt. So they're going to smother her because then before she dies, she'll just go to sleep and then she won't know that she's dying. Oh, sweet Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So that night they go skating, they do birthday cake, Caitlin blows out the candles, and then they all lay together and watch three different videos on three different tablets. And I got a headache in the 30 seconds that they had that going. I was like, oh, <laughs> so bad. Um, that sounds like heaven for me. They fall asleep. It's like the beeping calculators. Like, <laughs> I yeah. did take my ADHD medicine today, though. So, so proud of you. They fall asleep and or they're pretending to be asleep, right? Actually, Emily's asleep. The other two girls aren't. Angela comes in, rubs um, Caitlin's forehead. She kisses her head and tells her happy birthday. It's very sweet. She leaves the room and Rachel gets full on creepy, sits up, leans over and says, midnight. Hell no. It's like, why are you friends with this girl? Also, who is still awake at midnight? Not them, because they didn't set the alarms. <laughs> so they wake up like at three or four, and they decide to put it off forever because they're too scared to actually do it. And okay. I'm like, thank God. And then the movie's Yay. over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's over. Um, the next morning, though, Caitlin has another hallucination, which I guess tells her she has to go through with it because she goes and tells Rachel they have to do it or their families will die. So they make a new plan. You ready? No. The new plan is they're going to drown her because she can't swim. Oh, no. That's so much worse. Oh, no. Rewind. Emily comes in and asks what they're talking about. They say nothing. And then they all start to play because they are actually children. Yeah. Um, At breakfast, they ask Angela if they can go to the park. And she says yes. Caitlin hugs her really hard and says she loves her and they leave. Because to her, like, she's never going to see her again. Right. Um, Rachel pulls out a... Oh, so they go to the park. They're all chasing each other around, spinning and playing and being adorable little girls until they're not anymore. Um, Rachel pulls out a rope and says they want to play fairy princess. So Emily will be the princess and Rachel will be the bad warrior that's kidnapped her and tied her up. Sounds like a logical game to me. Emily says she doesn't really want to play that, but she doesn't seem, she actually seems disinterested and not at all like she thinks something is wrong. Okay. Um, They peer pressure her a little and she says, okay. So they tie her up, lead her through the woods. Rachel tells her to close her eyes. And I remember this from the case interviews. Yeah. Where she says, she tells her to close her eyes because she, and then she tells Caitlin, if you look into a person's eyes, you see yourself and you don't want to be killing yourself. Yeah. Um, they lead her to the water and push her in, but it's not deep because duh. (laughs) (laughs) She just stands up and is like, what the actual fuck? Like, um, Rachel's yelling at Caitlin that they have to push her head under, but Emily can't hear that because she's really pissed off and she's yelling Caitlin's like super freaking out. Rachel ends up apologizing and saying it was an accident. Emily says, y'all are acting really weird. And she storms off to the bathroom. (laughs) Um, 
Caitlin is crying, so Rachel calms her down, and they decide to go deeper into the woods. And I'm sorry, a lot is going to happen, but I'm trying to wrap it up as quickly as I can. Okay. Um, they decide to play Dragon Eats Princess Fairy. That's my second favorite game. First being Concussion. Which is also known as Hide and Seek. So, <laughs> Caitlin counts, and Rachel and Emily run off. Before she runs off, though, Caitlin or Rachel gives Caitlin a pair of scissors. And they she play counts- hair salon? No, I wish. Oh, she counts while they run away. Emily stops to smell some pretty flowers. Rachel and Caitlin sneak up behind her. And again, almost verbatim from interviews, Caitlin gives Rachel the scissors and says, You do it. You know where all the good spots are. Oh, and Rachel gives him back and says, you do it. Go bananas. Which what she really said was go ballistic. Um, I just remember the first time I heard it from all the interviews and it's so bad. Uh-huh. Um, so Caitlin goes up, sits down on Emily and starts stabbing her. Emily is screaming and crying. Rachel starts crying. Caitlin can hear voices in her head. She climbs off Emily. They're all covered in blood. Emily tries to get up, but Rachel stops her, lays her back down, tells her not to move because they're going to go get help. And then they leave her there. Mm. Oh, God. They get their backpacks and they take off. Um, they freak out and yell at each other, but I guess they make up because they go to um, a bathroom and a furniture store to clean up. Rachel's stepdad finds the note she left, which says, quote, Dear Mom and D, please don't worry about me, but think of me smiling and happy. I love you both, Grandma and Grandpa and my aunt, and just know I will think of you every day. When I live at the Suzerain Palace, I will know that you are alive because of me. Oh, God. The Ugh. police come to Caitlin's house. Rachel's mom runs up and jumps like on the stepdad and they hug. Um, Rachel's sorry. There's a song playing over, but from what I know from the story and the minor lip reading that I can do, basically the police think that Rachel and Caitlin are the ones that stabbed Emily and then they took off. But as it is now, all the parents know is that Emily was stabbed. Their children are missing. Like, right. So it's it's a lot that's happening all at this. Um, the girls are found and picked up by police. And again, Atlanta. And I'm like, this happened in Wisconsin. So the policeman tells her not to be scared. Um, they cut to one year later. Um, Angela's talking to the support group. Um, and we see the girls. Um, Emily has recovered, gotten a new hairstyle, glow up, and <laughs> is at the skating rink with new and probably better for her friends. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's at a juvenile detention center talking nonstop to a girl that's rolling her eyes, which I just love. Perfect. Angela says they're working with Caitlin to get her medication in order so she can rejoin the world sometime. And when she does, she'll be there for her, but this time with her eyes wide open. We see Caitlin in a men- mental institution still drawing pictures of Suzerain. It zooms out and the, the walls are literally covered in these drawings. Oh, no. Um, the ending Chiron is a little bit different this week. It says, quote, visit the Child Mind Institute at childmind.org to find resources to support children struggling with mental health and learning disorders, which is very important. So definitely. Absolutely. Do that. And that's it. 
Sorry, I know I went long. It was a lot. It's okay. Um, okay. Oh, God. Okay. This case is terrible. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so at the top, my sources are... Um, I used the article on Wikipedia about Slenderman, and then the article about the Slenderman stabbing, also on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, I used an article from the Courthouse News Service, and then... Um, Yes. Funny story. Okay. So you texted me on Saturday. Uh-huh. And said there was a development in this case this week, and I'm so excited. Yes. So I told Shelby that, and I said, I'm really mad that he told me, because I can't look it up, because that's our deal, right? Right. So she looked so, it up? So she fucking looked it up, and she, but then she didn't tell me, and I was like, I hate Good. everyone. <laughs> No. So, so tell me. And then the final uh, source I used was from WIS, WISN uh, News in Waukesha, which is an ABC syndicate. Okay. Um, now, to break the tension, and I will put this on our drive because I'm not going to put this whole clip in okay. our, I mean, on our blog. Uh, I'm not going to put this whole clip in the um, episode, mm-hmm. but... Since they are, in fact, 11-year-old girls, I don't know any 11-year-old actresses, and I'm not even going to attempt to cast it. So Mm -hmm. I have instead found this clip from the X Factor that are the girls that I am casting in this position, (laughs) in this role. Okay. Um, Anyway, so um, just a little bit of background going into this case. Yeah. Um, Slender Man is a fictional fictional no that's a fictional that mm -hmm. and aaron will you tell everybody on earth what fictional means fake made up fake thank you he is a fictional supernatural character real sorry i'm gonna stop now (laughs) he is a fictional supernatural character that originated as a creepypasta created by eric knudsen in 2009 I'm sorry, wasn't it on Creepy Storypedia? Yeah, yes, yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He is depicted as a thin, unnaturally tall humanoid with featureless face and head, uh, featureless head and face, and wearing a black suit. And stories of Slenderman commonly feature him stalking, abducting, or traumatizing people, and children in particular. Um, I mean, look, I'm not saying he's not someone that I want to hang out with. Right. I'm just saying that he's not, not real. real. What really caught it for me was when I was watching, If when you get HBO, you'll have to check out Beware the Slender Man, um, which is a documentary on the case. And I watched it a while ago, but she's in the interview. It's one of the girls. And she's like, well, he can be anywhere from six to 14 feet tall. And I was like, that's not how people work. <laughs> I can't wake up one day and be like, today I'm going to be seven feet tall. Tomorrow I'm going to be 10 feet tall. The next day I'm going to be eight feet tall. Yeah. That's how I do it. <sighs> now it's the weight that I haven't figured out how to change just at will. Oh, no. Um, and so- if you made yourself tall enough, eventually you'd right? <laughs> You have to limbo through all the doorways. <laughs> now, on oh, June 10th, 2009, the first two photos of Slenderman appeared on an internet forum called Something Awful. 
creepy which, story. <laughs> yeah, it was coming. Um, the thread was a contest. It was a competition mm-hmm. for um, for Photoshop skills, in which the users were challenged to create like the scariest paranormal images. So, by create, do you mean go out and take pictures of real things, or do you mean make something up in your head and make it weird? Well, this was a little bit of both. Um, so Eric Knudsen, who used the pen name Victor Surge, posted two black and white pictures of groups of children that he had added Slenderman in the background of. Hold on. So, we just got a DM on Instagram. For a Chevrolet dealership? <laughs> <laughs> You're in Orange County, want to buy a car, just... Holler at me. Also, we're going to charge them for that. <laughs> totally kidding. All right. I'm sorry. That was so random. No, that was. That's hilarious. Um, so from what I understand, he took real photographs of groups of children and then mm-hmm. he photoshopped them to be black and white and a little ominous. And then in the same quality of the photograph, photo, uh, like inserted the Slender Man that he created in the background kind of hazy. Right. And that's what I meant. Right. I created. Right. Because I have seen the original pictures. I've seen a lot of the pictures since then. I was very obsessed with this case. I will say again. And they are creepy. Yeah. Um, so he they he added Slenderman in the background. He's tall, spectral, wearing a, a black suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was really compelling about it was that he added these made-up witness statements describing the abductions of the groups of children in the pictures. So, That's right. So one of them read, quote, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. And the other photograph he submitted for this competition um, had this caption, one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. So the, the Slender Man in the background, he's saying, was, uh, was a film defect and not a human being. Or, like, not a creature is what the implication is. I had to, like, read through that four times. Right. And not, also... Not that you're you stupid, thought, I'm stupid. If you read this and thought, huh, I wonder if that library fire where 14 children randomly disappeared is real. Google it. You could, like, give it a quick Google and you would see that it's made up. Then it said, fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. And this was a thing around that time. I don't know if you remember, but Discovery, the Discovery Channel got in a lot of trouble. It was a few years ago, maybe five years ago now. Because on Shark Week, which is supposed to be like all documentaries. Uh-huh. They aired a mockumentary about a megalodon that a lot of people thought was real. Absolutely. And they got in a lot of hot water over it. And this is the same kind of thing. Right. So 
Slenderman grew in internet popularity from that. And um, Knudsen took... I'm not even sure if that's how you say his name, but it's K-N-U-D-S-E-N. So there's not a whole lot of options there. Um, he Wish took, you were Knudsen. <laughs> that's some low-hanging fruit there. Sorry, I had to. Listen, I 420 blazed it last week, so... <laughs> Um, anyway, he drew inspiration from writers like Zach Parkson, Zach Parsons, Stephen King, and H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. And he also drew inspiration from the myths and the stories of Mothman, Shadow People, and the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. So he really entrenched... What someone needs to do is make a creepy movie about the black-eyed kids. Right. Because that shit freaks me out. I wouldn't go see it, but it does freak me out. So Slenderman went viral shortly after that and inspired fan art and cosplays and video games and movies. Um, but beginning in Murders. 2014, Slenderman was linked to a series of violent acts, including a near fatal stabbing of a 12 year old girl in Waukesha, Wisconsin. So on May 31st, 2014 in Waukesha, Wisconsin, 12 year old Anissa wire born mm-hmm. November 12, 2001 and Morgan Geyser, so born little. May 16, 2002. So, yeah, I mean, they're... Just for context, my son was born in 2004. Yeah. I mean, they were 12. They were 11 and 12. They were... Yeah, he was 10 when this happened. I remember, like, asking him, like, you know, do you know about Slenderman? And he's like, yeah, but, you know, this. And I'd be like, okay, like, this is... And as it kept going, I would be like, this is not real. And he's like, mom, yeah. I got it. I know, like, but still, like, to me, because I was like, wait, is this a conversation I need to be having now, along with the talk? Like, ugh. Um, so much work. So the two girls lured their friend Peyton Lutner into the woods and stabbed her 19 times in an attempt to impress Slenderman. Lutner crawled to a road where she was found and recovered after six days in the hospital. That girl's a badass. She is a badass. Mm-hmm. And Wire and Geyser were found not guilty by mental disease or defect and by February 2018 were convicted and sentenced to long periods in mental health institutions. So now I'm going to break down like into the actual events. I did not, I'm not going to present their statements and I'll kind of explain why at the end and you kind of already know why because uh, you've alluded to it. So, um, Wire and Geyser initially planned to attack Lutner on May 20th, 2014. They planned to tape her mouth shut and stab her in the neck and run away. Um, but they did not carry out that attack because Geyser believed that Lutner should have, li- should live one more day. I'm not quite sure why that one day meant anything, but it did. Um, a second plan called for attacking Lutner in a bathroom at a local park, and they chose that location for the fact that the bathroom had drains in the floor, so th- her blood could drain into them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the actual attack finally took place in a nearby forest during a game of hide-and-seek on March 31st, 2014. May 31st, Mom, I mean. Dragon Eats Fairy Princess? Yep. What? Yep, okay. that's it. I love uh, that game. I still prefer Concussion. Concussion is a really fun game. (laughs) Lutner was pinned down and stabbed 19 times in the arms, legs, and torso with a five-inch long kitchen knife. It's so bad. Hold on. 
Okay, go. <laughs> Two wounds were to major organs. One missed her heart by less than a millimeter. I remember that. And another went through her diaphragm and cut into her liver and her stomach. No. Wire and Geyser then told Lutner that they would go get help for her, but instead they just fucking left her there to die. Lutner, being a badass, though, dragged herself to a nearby road where she was found by a cyclist. Oh, I missed it in the movie because I was rushing through the inn. But in the movie, she's found by a guy in a boat, and I swear to God, he's wearing pirate clothes. Yes! He had, like, the three-point hat, and I was like, what? That's hilarious. <laughs> Wire and Geisner were found near Interstate 94, and the knife they used in the stabbing was in a bag they carried. Wire and Geisner were described as feeling guilty for stabbing their friend, but felt the attack was needed to appease Slenderman. They claimed that if they didn't kill their friends, Slenderman would kill their families. According to court documents, Geyser believed that Slenderman had first visited her when she was a toddler. And I'm sorry. She um, she believed that Slenderman wanted her to become his proxy and to attack and kill people, but that the first Slenderman def- by proxy. That's yep. I'm going to write to the DSM for that. You're going to cut that out because I'm a bad person. (laughs) No, actually, I'm writing it down as a possible episode title. (laughs) So, um, oh, after the stabbing, the, um, I wrote after the stabbing, the geyser and wire. So I guess now they're like a legal team of geyser and wire. (laughs) Uh, were found in some tall grass on the freeway. They said they were going to walk to Slenderman's mansion in the Nicolette National Forest, which was just a 300-mile walk. Very chill. Yeah, just what you do every day. It's like you wake up one day, you're like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to walk the Appalachian Trail. Exactly. I'm going to go to Slenderman's mansion. Yeah, 300 miles. No biggie. So, um, as I mentioned before, Lutner was hospitalized for six days because of the attack and got out on the seventh day, uh, which is a very short time considering the, um, amount of damage they did. Uh, that, and that just speaks to the resiliency of children. Absolutely. Because look, I, the older you get, the harder it is to recover from stuff. And kids bounce back, like, so fast. It's wild. Even Dr. Sarah said that that was a it very is short time. And she's it a pediatrician. Like, and, But she was, look, she wanted to live. She fought right? to the She nail fought for, for it. Girl. In 2017, so the attacks happened in 2014. It took three years to get to the trial. Wire pleaded guilty to being a party to attempted second-degree homicide, but a jury found her not guilty by mental disease, disease or defect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Geyser accepted a plea offer under which she would not go to trial and instead she'd be evaluated by a psychiatrist to determine how long she'd be placed in a mental hospital. She later pleaded guilty, but was found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. Okay. Anissa Wire was sentenced to 25 years to life, which would also involve three years of locked confinement and involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institution. And then followed by communal supervision until age 37. 
That's really rough. There, I have a. I land. I land really hard to the left on this one. So, I think yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna reserve for yeah. a minute. Um, Morgan Geyser was sentenced to the maximum of forty to life, which would involve three years locked confinement, in addition to involuntary treatment in a psychiatric facility until a complete resolution of symptoms, or until age fifty-three, whichever happened first. Fifty. Three. Yes. And then that would be followed by communal supervision, periodic reevaluations, and or reinstitution, uh, and then further treatment as needed as required by the sentence imposed. So if she went through treatment and got healed and then anything or got treatment where she was able to maintain her status if anything happened that she even looked a little fishy they were going to lock her right back up not not really the way i expected the sentencing to go for children me neither because they're 12 we're on the same side we're on the same side i didn't know if you knew all of this stuff that i'm about to say so once you started talking i realized you did um so in 2018, a Wisconsin judge sentenced Geyser to these 40 years. Um, oh my God, I can't. And then she, while she has the um, opportunity to periodically petition for release, she will remain in this institution for the duration of her sentence. Um, so we're going to come back to that sentencing, but I want to talk about um, the victim and kind of some other stuff here. Um, after the attack, um, the I'm not c- saying she wasn't a victim. She was. This is horrible. Oh, yeah, of course. It's a horrible thing that happened to all of them. Of course. And, yeah. Um, so after the this a- girl is like the shit. So yeah. Yes, queen. Okay. After the attack, uh, Knudsen, who had created Slenderman, went and made a public statement. He said, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin, and my heart goes out to the families of those affected by this terrible act. And then... Um, Can you imagine how guilty... How, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're like a... You're a creative person. Like, that's not your thing, but you're an artist, and you create things. Can you imagine if that inspired someone to do something like right. that? Right. Would break me. Oh, I, yeah. I can't imagine what that guy went through. So, so for instance, um, I do write books. Mm-hmm. And I know. recently. You do? Listen, <laughs> this is a, I'm all part of an elucidation here. Um, Jay Asher wrote 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. And a recent study shows that that book has, uh, statistically increased the attempted suicides in teenagers. I would feel so personally responsible that I could not bear to look at myself in the mirror. So while I don't know what it's like to create an internet sensation of a meme uh, before memes had names, um, I do know how guilty I would feel if my book managed to do that. And it's kind of the same thing. And also I think 13 reasons why he doesn't have all the culpability there because the Netflix spinoff really glorified right. it. Right, it really absolutely lot. did. I haven't watched a lot of it. I've read a lot about it. I haven't watched a ton of it. I've watched some of it. It's not my thing anyway, and so, but I do see where it it glorified. Oh, it did. Um, it presented suicide as a revenge tactic. 
which is not what that is. Right. And I read the book. I, I did not watch the show, but I, I read the it, book. It glorifies it, but it also downplays how incredibly serious a problem it is for right. people that suffer from real mental illnesses. Absolutely. It, it, it's, yeah, double-edged sword. It's all terrible. Right. But yeah, I feel bad for that guy. It's really sad. Yeah, like, as a creative person, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. And so, from June 13th to June 14th, 2014, members of the Creepypasta community, people who are contributing content and creating these things that are really very good. So, um, yeah. somebody went on in defense of Creepypasta, because lots of people were like, we need to just have all of these sites taken down, look at what they're doing. Yeah, but and- if you do that, then you have to pull all of Stephen King's books. You have to pull exactly. all these horror books because it's the same thing. It's just a different medium. Well, it's and the a, exact same thing. A professor of creative writing at University of Georgia, I think it was, went on mm-hmm. record to say that these creepypasta are encouraging stronger writers and they're they're creating an outlet for creative types who didn't have an outlet before and so like people went in defense of creepypasta like just because this terrible thing happened doesn't mean you can blame the whole situation yeah you can't blame and also there are so many other factors at play for these girls right that the creepypasta was like one small part of it. Right. But it became the focus because it's so outrageous. Right. So anyway, they did this live stream on YouTube and it was actually to raise funds for the victim's family and okay. to raise the um, cre- raise awareness about the creepypasta community and how its members don't condone violence of any kind. They basically said just because they enjoy fiction that contains violence doesn't mean they like real world real world violence and that's something i have to say all the time as a true crime podcaster is like i do find these stories fascinating but if there was never another story to report on i would be okay with that i mean also we'd be fine because there's plenty of stories in the past however many because people have always been horrible so if we stop being horrible tomorrow that's fine right it's not being horrible right now it's fine right (laughs) you and i are not saying please go kill someone so we can report on it please don't kill someone. <laughs> Just don't do it. Um, so the city of Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, God. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> they. Was they outlaw creepystorypedia.com? No, uh-uh. This was actually in support of the victim to raise money okay, for her. Okay. They had a, a bratwurst festival. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, Wisconsin. Um, so they had this one-day Bratwurst Festival to honor the victim on August 29, 2014. So at this point, she's already out of the hospital. And she's about to go back to school, like, because she went to school the next year and just rocked it. Like, I mean, I just want to know, like, whose idea was it to have a sausage festival in honor of a 12-year-old girl? <laughs> well, they raised $70,000 at the sausage festival. So but People in Wisconsin love <laughs> All I think they could have done better was if they had a cheese festival. <laughs> They're already having that for support of another victim. <laughs> they didn't want to overdo the cheese. Oh, man. <laughs> but I just, Sarah walked in while I was researching that. And she was like, the only thing I have seen on your page is sausage festival. And I need to know so much more information. <laughs> so, um, so now back to the culprits of the crime. And mm-hmm. back now, flash forward to this year, in January of 2019, 
Morgan Geyser's attorney filed an appeal contesting Geyser's sentencing on the grounds that she should have never been tried in an adult court, given her Thank mental you. illness. Um, Not even given her mental well, illness. Hold on. Given the fact that she's 12. Okay. So um, he argued that the juvenile court had complete jurisdiction over this case and the circuit court should have dis- uh, discharged her adult court case following the preliminary hearing, but compounded with, so there are some kids that even at 12 years old can take culpability of an action and know that what they did was absolutely wrong, but her mental illness restricted that. And this goes back to, I've had cases whenever I taught in my last district, students who I taught were arrested and one of them was trying to be charged as an adult and I had to step in and what they did was awful. But I knew that he was not mentally capable of understanding that what he'd done had long lasting effects. And that's a really rough situation to be in because I want somebody to be punished the right way. I do too. And I, I, but I also think when you get up to like 14, 15, 16, like those ages, you a little, you at least a little bit more understand. 12 is a little young. Yes. Well, and I saw even, I think it was Wisconsin too, charged a 10 year old. Yeah. You're, you're going in the wrong direction. Right. Kids that age don't understand the permanence of their action. No. And it doesn't mean that what they did, her, her, their friend was not horrible because it was. But also, you have to think can we make these? Because the whole point of a criminal justice system is supposed to be can we make these people better? Yeah. Not can we lock them in a cage for the rest of their lives or kill them? Which sometimes there are some adult criminals that deserve that shit. But these are children yes. you have to think isn't there a way to make a 12 year old a better person even if they did something terrible when they were a kid right um and so it's clear that it's this judge upsetting. was trying to make an example of this case and i get uh, why because make an example out of an adult that fully understands what the fuck they're doing but imagine now there's an entire middle school full of kids who sees that there's no true consequences no to your actions. I'm not saying they shouldn't have had consequences. They should. But what is a three-year sentence in psychiatric care to a 12-year-old who's going to be 15 or 16 when they get out? It's a little bit different. And then when you're tried as a kid, your records are sealed and you get a fresh start, which I totally support. Yeah. But I can see why the judge tried to make an example. And I can see why it's wrong. I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying these girls deserve that. I'm saying that for some shitty reason, I can see this judge's line of thought. I really don't. And I think maybe it's because I'm also a mom. Right. And I know that my kid would not have understood at that age. No, I that, know. That action. And, and I think that that applies. That should be the exception and not the rule. So to make an example out of some 12-year-old kids is not okay. Right. And as somebody who works with children every single day, I know that my 12-year-olds are not going to go out and stab somebody because they saw someone else do it and they thought it was fun. 
Also, they're not going to do that. (laughs) Like, but that I can see the judge's point of view. That doesn't say I mean, I think it's right. That doesn't mean I agree with it. I can see the point of view. I just still think there has to be some kind of middle ground there. So, well, that's what this uh, appeal is fighting for. So, Mm -hmm. um, I also just don't think that you should let this is where I'm headed. Yeah. Thank you. Geyser also holds that her statements to police were obtained in violation of her constitutional rights. It came out during court proceedings that Geyser did not fully understand the legal system or how, how it applied to her, even three weeks after signing her Miranda rights. So three weeks after her confession, she still didn't actually know what she'd signed. Because she's 12 years old. One of the psychiatrists who was working with her found that her Slenderman beliefs were so ingrained in her that they prevented her from being able to work effectively with an attorney to defend herself. Her primary motivation was always to appease Slenderman rather than to protect herself from adverse legal consequences. She truly believed that Slenderman was out to get her. And detectives still pressed her for information without an adult present, without somebody representing her. They took her confession, her statement as 100% uh, admissible in court. Like this comes up. It's unacceptable. In the Adnan Saeed case, the like from serial, it comes up a lot. And it just reminds me that I need to have another conversation with my child, not to sign anything. Yes. That he does not understand. And just, if you're arrested, just don't sign anything at all until I show up. (laughs) And that goes for all of you listeners. Don't sign anything until Aaron shows up. Well, not until I show up. (laughs) Get an attorney. The first words out of your mouth should be, I want an attorney. And people think that that's an admission of guilt. It's not. No, It's an admission that I don't understand the legal system. And so I need someone here that does. That is trained in it. That Mm -hmm. can see the loopholes that people are trying to pull on me. But the the questioning of them where they're like, I'm going to read you your rights. Like, you you have the right for this. They don't understand that because they're kids. Right. If I, t- like, if I sat my son down and was like, you know, I'm going to read you your rights. He'd be like, okay. But he doesn't fully comprehend what that means. No. Because also, he's a kid. He doesn't really have rights in this house unless I say he does. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the brief for appeal also states that the tactics police used with, this is a quote, the tactics mm-hmm. police used with Geyser may have passed muster with a fully functional adult, but Geyser was far from that. She yes. did not understand her legal rights, including what an attorney could do for her. The interviewing detective repeatedly minimalized, minimized the seriousness of her, con- of her crime and the effect of confessing to it. On balance, the tactics police used on Geyser were coercive and most certainly overwhelmed whatever minimal ability she had to resist. You know, I was watching a 2020 this week. It's actually my case this week, but, um, and now I can't remember the lady's name and I should have written it down, but that's okay. Um, and they were talking about how they needed like a slam dunk case that would always be above board. And so they went to all these extra measures. You should be doing that. All the time. Yeah. You should be like, you know what? I need there to be no loophole in this case where they can come back later and say, I didn't do something that was completely above board. Right. That's your job as a professional. It just, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But these adult detectives are talking to these children. And also the, the guy detective just looks so disinterested. He's like, okay, like what happened? Yeah. 
It's real bad. So in and they're explaining to them. Sorry, I'm just no, gonna go keep ahead. going. They're explaining to them, like, they're taking DNA swabs. And so the guy's like, okay. Like, he comes in. He's, like, taking photos of, like, their bodies to see, like, defensive wounds. And he's like, so I'm going to put this swab in your mouth. And he, like, stops and explains, like, don't worry, sweetie. This isn't going to hurt. It'll be much easier than even going to the dentist. I'm just going to put it in your mouth for a second. And then I'll take it out. You wouldn't speak that way to an adult. No. So the fact that you're having to explain this that way to this person should just bring some bells in your head that this is not okay. Yep, absolutely. Now I'm done, I think. So the <laughs> the Court of Appeals has dragged their feet on responding to this appeal. Mm-hmm. So now on May 23rd, so that's last week of 2019, um, ABC News, WISN in Waukesha ran mm-hmm. an update about the Slenderman stabbing case and the appeal. Um, so the... Juvenile Law Center, which is a Philadelphia-based law center that, as you might suspect, specializes in juvenile cases, mm-hmm. filed a supporting brief um, to support the appeal and to support basically everything in that brief. So they've taken it as an unbiased third party and reviewed it as somebody who is not attached to the case, but who does have the um, best interest of children at mind or at heart. Um, a representative for the juvenile law center named Marsha Levick, she mm-hmm. said, we are deeply concerned that this was simply not lawful or constitutional. Sorry. We are deeply concerned that this was simply not a lawful or constitutional waiver of her rights. And um, so the response is in, or it's in response to the b- brief uh, remarking that Geyser raved her rights to, uh, against incriminating herself. Like I said, she didn't, understand her Miranda rights and cops were coercive and all those things. Um, but this, like I said, this unbiased third party has evaluated the brief and evaluated the case and said that this was not constitutional and that her statement or her confession should not have been admissible in a court of law. So it will be likely another, it will likely be another three to six months before a decision is made, but this Mm -hmm. case is likely headed to the Supreme court in the near future. I'm not mad about it. No, me neither. I just really think... I don't know. I really should have thought about that. It it, it just... It just leaves a... Like I said, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It sounds to me like the judge was excited to have this sensationalized case to preside over. He's going to run for re-election based on it for the rest of his life. And was motivated by his own, which I mean, I hate to say it like this, but which judge is not motivated by their own career rather than the actual good, like, well treatment of their, of the people they represent, but that's neither here nor there. Um, anyway, so this all sucks. This whole thing sucks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm pissed off at lots of people. Yeah, me too. So what would you have drank with this case? Just go to Dripping Springs, drink all the alcohol they have. I'm jealous. I'm drinking a blue moon right now though. So, so it sounds like you have an actual case of the week. I do. So I'm going to start since I don't. Okay. As I mentioned, I was at a um, 
a workshop this week. Uh, and I told you last night in our Patreon episode, but they actually made a movie about this guy. So I just recommend that anybody who wants a real feel good story about my hero in education. Oh, you already told me the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look up the, um, made for TV movie. I think it was on TBS, but it's called the Ron Clark story. It's free on Amazon prime. Um, and it really is very inspirational and he is such a cool guy. Um, and he has me fired up for next school year. Cool. Okay. So I am trying, I found the video about this lady, but I'm trying to like get her name from it. So hold on. Okay. So it's watching 2020 and this woman who lived in Florida, she worked for like an older woman. No, don't buffer. Don't buffer. No. (laughs) So she lived in Florida. She was hired by this older woman that had gone and retired there. So her name is Maria Calderon. Um, She, hold on, I'm just going to Google her because this is very. So Maria Calderon, she was hired by this um, older woman in Florida who had, this lady had retired there. um, And she murdered her. But she didn't want to um oh hold on i'm saying the wrong name shit the woman is jacqueline luongo okay she was taking care of an older woman by the name of patricia vivieros um so she murdered her but she didn't want anyone to find the body because she was trying to continue to cash her pension checks Oh. She murdered the lady. She was stealing her checks. She ends up telling her friend, Maria Calderon, about the murder. And her friend was like, oh, fuck this. And turned her in. Good for her friend. So Jackie, or Jacqueline, attempted to hire a hitman from prison, oh. from jail, to murder her friend. So that she couldn't testify against her. That never works out. Well, she ended up hiring a police officer. Almost undoubtedly she did. Because you're in jail, you're being recorded. Um, And she ended up hiring a police officer. Uh, The girl, um, Maria, she posed for photos, like with the police um, department, so that they could go back and show them that she was dead. So let me just paint this picture for you. You're in jail, right? For being too beautiful. Duh. And this hitman that you've hired to murder your witness brings pictures of her dead body into the jail to give to you. And you're just like, this is all legit. Yeah. Yeah, duh. So they bring, she brings in the photo, or he brings in the photos. She signs off on them, right? They're like, we need your, so the guy's wearing a wire and a video camera. And he's like, we also need your signature just so we know that you've seen them and you're, you're okay with this. Okay. She signs off on it. She goes back to her cell. She calls the hitman and says, she's a very satisfied customer. Oh, Okay. 
And then the next thing she knows, she's being arraigned again for. I don't know. You know I don't know why. Attempted, you know, a conspiracy to commit murder. Um, she was actually charged with that, that made her crime a capital crime. Yeah. And um, but she did not receive the death penalty. But yeah. Wow, that's intense. That's a real dumb. Well, and I think they would probably hire some like younger super hot like <laughs> girls to play this out they're not they weren't younger they were you know older older 40 right yeah. i just i think it would be an interesting well naturally mm-hmm. it's like sinister minister yes i saw that story on 2020 and i was like wow <laughs> yeah anyways oh man so i did also want to go over our june schedule i made the schedule oh good okay to you so june 5th that's next week. Well, it's technically the week after, but you know. Right. Um, we're going to do Long Island Lolita, which is Amy Fisher and Joy Budafuco. I'm very excited. It's also like the old movie with uh, um, Alyssa Milano. I'm super excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, June 12th, we're going to do Abducted, the Carlina White story. Okay. June 19th, we're going to do The Murder of Princess Diana. That's our switch. Yep. You can find the movie right now on Lifetime Movie Club. I have it. Like, I have Lifetime Movie Club, so I've got it saved. I figured so. (laughs) What if I owned the DVD of that and only that? I was like, (laughs) you don't watch movies. No, I meant to say I've got it, like, saved so that I can watch it. And then June 26th, we'll do Abducted, the Jocelyn Shaker story. I didn't want to do two Abducted, like, back to back. No, I get it. All right. That sounds great. That's how they were on my list, because I started alphabetically and then just started adding things as I recorded it. (laughs) Love it. So, yeah. That is that. Well. This case sucked. It did. It's a rough one, but it is a really interesting one. There's a lot going on, so. Um, I will say, what doesn't suck is the email we got today that we've clawed our way back to the comedy charts two weeks in a row. So thank you to everyone who's Hi-ya. listening. Um, we are actually charting on iTunes, like, we are. Oh, steadily now. We asked you guys a couple weeks ago, and then I just completely forgot but please, if you have iTunes, like rate, review, subscribe, obviously. But in your review, tell us like if your life was made into a lifetime movie, what would it be called? Yes, we want to know. Do. We want to read them on the air and like talk about what I'm just gonna make Paul make up what he thinks it is because he's so good at it. <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All so right. Please rate, review, subscribe. I, you know, we love to hear from you. Yes. Other ways you can help if you don't have iTunes are when we tweet about our episodes, share them with your like, like retweet them and um, on Facebook, like us on Facebook and re- and share our post. And those things are going to help more people find us and yeah. um, we'll help this ball rolling. Um, but we are still just blown away that in the words mm-hmm. of Sally Field, you like us. You really, really like us. Like us. Um, and we're going to kick it into high gear this summer. Hopefully. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, hey, times. where can people find us? Um, on the Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on the Twitter at Life Sentence Pod, 
They can shoot us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. and they can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Yes. And then of course you can, um, find show notes and things like that and contact forms for us at lifetime sentence pod.com. And of course also join us on Patreon lifetime sentence. No. Patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So we'll see you next week. All right. We love y'all. And um, don't forget to eat your vegetables. And charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.